0: Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume. Or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. hello everyone welcome back to the what fulfills you podcast my name is emily elizabeth and i am your host on today's episode, I have a very lovely guest. She's actually my age as well, and I think her mindset is very similar to mine, so I'm super excited to dive into the conversation, but a little bit about her. Her name is Sophie Rebel, and she is a 24-year-old second-year law student at Georgetown University Law Center, born and raised in the sunny beaches of Orange County. She is one of five children, as well as a first-generation college student. During her childhood, she spent most of it focused on her academics and if she wasn't reading or writing, she was at her dance studio where she was a competitive dancer. Sophie attributes both her equal focus on excelling in academics and her creative endeavors in the dance world as a strong role in who she has become today. She graduated from University of Southern California in 2019 with magna cum laude honors and a degree in business administration and a minor in law and public policy. During her time at USC, she was a member of the USC Songgirls, USC's official dance team, and served as captain her senior year. Sophie solidified her interest in attending law school while at USC during her internship at the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office. Upon graduating from USC, she received the highest honor USC bestows on its undergraduate students for her exemplary service to the university, and she attended UC Irvine School of Law for one year before transferring to her dream school, Georgetown Law. Sophie plans to pursue a career in litigation, and outside of her career, she is passionate about a wide variety of things, including female advocacy. In her free time, she loves to mentor a young woman, go to the beach, work out, and take dance classes. As you guys can tell, she is holistically well-rounded, and I think she just has a really good head on her shoulders and is someone that I would say is very much a good prototype to follow in a sense and I'm not saying there is a cookie cutter way of being who you want to be but I think with social media and everything that we see online at this age in gen z and millennial it can be difficult to figure out who's a good role model and kind of a mindset to follow and that's why I try my best to have like-minded individuals and even those with different opinions than me on this show so that you all can see the different ways of thinking and the different approaches to a specific career path or ultimately as i always say just to a fulfilling life on your own and so I think it's awesome that I have a law student on here and if you guys have been listening for a long time, even back on my Young and Ambitious podcast way back in the day, I spoke about my high interest in attending Georgetown Law as well. So I think this is a really unique conversation whether you are interested in attending law school or you're not, but you are like me and you always like to understand the different facets of other career paths so with that being said we will dive into today's conversation. Sophie, thank you for joining me today. I am super excited to have a law student on my podcast. This is a first and I'm definitely a big fan of Georgetown Law. Fun fact, I actually almost went there as well when I was considering, yeah, the the path of being a lawyer. Um, But I will give a brief background of you for the audience so they can have a better scope of who you are. So it looks like you're born and raised in Orange County. Um, You attended USC for undergrad and you went to UC Irvine Law School for one year, then transferred to Georgetown Law, which is where you're currently at as a second year student. Um, but I know there's obviously way more to you than all of your academic background. So go ahead and share a little bit with the audience in your own words. Um, kind of, I guess, like an elevator pitch of yourself.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I get I just finished recruiting <laughs> for law school and jobs. So like the elevator pitch, I'm so used to at this point. Love that. <laughs> okay. Here, let me, I'll try my best. So I'm, like you said, I'm originally from Orange County. California. Um, I'm 24 years old. I am. I guess I would start off by saying that you did a great job talking about my academic achievements. And we can go into the fact that academics mean a lot to me. Um, I'm a first generation college student. So my parents were always very into getting me to get a higher degree and kind of continuing that education. So that's a little bit of a backstory on me. Um, So I graduated from USC in 2019. I was a cheerleader at USC all four years. That's kind of encompasses um, my background as well. I was a dancer my whole life. So I actually attended USC over Georgetown because um, Mm. I wanted to be a cheerleader. So that was kind of my dream to go to USC. My siblings went to USC. So that's kind of a big part of my life being a Trojan. Um, Once I graduated, I always knew I wanted to go to law school. So I just had to take a little bit of a detour to get to Georgetown. I wanted to be a lawyer because I worked in the sex crimes division of the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, and it kind of just changed my life. It was an incredible experience to kind of see these um, women go through traumatic cycles in their life and be able to bring um, victims to justice and find that justice for them. So that's a little bit of kind of how I ended up today. Um, I'm currently a law student, as you know, but outside of kind of the academics, uh, I love to dance. I was a dancer my whole life. I love to work out. Um, I'm really excited to be on this podcast today because I love mentoring young women. I love helping them. I feel as though in college it took me a really long time to discover myself and who I am. So I like to help people kind of on that path now to realizing that they're amazing who they are and being confident and uh, really trying to achieve your goals and knowing they're attainable.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that too. And I love that mindset you have with, you know, helping other people and wanting to show the younger generation that a lot can be done if you put your mind to it. But um, we'll dive into your academics a bit because I'm definitely very impressed. And I think there's a lot of um, habits and nuggets you can dive into with your tips for both undergrad and then the whole law school process. But um, it sounds like You did extremely well at USC, graduating magna cum laude and receiving the highest honor USC bestows on its undergrad students. Um, Can you elaborate on what that honor was and like, was there a process? Did you have to apply for that or how did they recognize you? I mean, I'm sure that is insane, like to to be able to receive
1: that from USC. So it was actually a complete shock. I had no idea until I showed up at the award ceremony. (sighs) Um, So that was really cool. But the award, from what I knew, it's called the Order of the Laurel and the Palm, and it's given to 13 undergraduate students every year, uh, seniors who are graduating. It's basically an award to undergraduate students who identify um, change in a community, and they want to exemplify kind of the highest university ideals. They are innovators. They're people who have demonstrated change and made change for the positive um, at USC. So, I was honestly in complete shock. I knew I was going to get a recognition award, but I thought I was going to be, get that, um, just alongside 200 other people. (laughs) So uh, it was actually a great, it was a wonderful experience. And I got it basically for my commitment to the university, being a cheerleader all four years, as well as my academics and kind of my extracurriculars. Uh, It was really funny though, because I remember being, this is kind of a good tidbit for younger people. I remember, There were 13 of us and the person before me had the most incredible story. They were a veteran. They had started some sort of philanthropic philanthropic group. It was amazing. And I was sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so underqualified. (laughs) I can't believe I'm here. And Mm -hmm. when they read my, my little spiel, whoever wrote it, it was like, she's a cheerleader. She's a cheerleader. She's a cheerleader. And I remember being so embarrassed in that moment because I was like, Oh my God, like (laughs) the person before me is a veteran and all these people are such innovators, but it was a great opportunity for me. And I think for younger women to see that, like, you're so much more than the stereotype people give you. Right. So that's kind of one of my defining moments was that award, but also just kind of the, um, the whole story that went along with it.
0: Do you have any tips specifically, I guess, for undergrad that you kind of figured out throughout the years that really helped with, you know, maintaining a great GPA, maintaining good grades, and then also I'm sure we'll dive into the balance with social life and everything, but what are some things that you remember? Because I mean... Academics, and especially at USC, it's not easy. And just, you know, academics in general, I think a lot of people kind of struggle finding their footing, right? Just kind of Mm -hmm. figuring out what works, what doesn't, being able to focus, being able to, you know, find the best studying method. Um, How did you figure that out for yourself? Like, what were some of the things that, or habits that you started to implement maybe by, you know, end of freshman year, sophomore year that really got you going?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I came from a really rigorous high school, so I think that I had a lot of those study habits before and going into USC, it was actually really nice because I was able to translate them really easily. I would say that my biggest tips would be balance. You know, there's going to be people who are absolute brainiacs who are so smart, who are dedicating every minute to school. You don't have to be that, but you can still do well. Um, I was very—I want to say—efficiency is really important in regards to balance. So, take classes that you know you're not going to be overloaded with. Take classes that are meaningful to you, things that are interesting to you, and balance that with things that are important to you. So, for me, cheer was really important to me, and I always kept that in my schedule. For other people, it could be social life, it could be clubs, it could be volunteering. So, always have a healthy balance of academics and um, what's meaningful to you. Efficiency also is so important. So when you're in class, begin class, put your phone away, like ignore the online shopping, just focus. And I think that that was something that I had to do because I had no time outside of class. I had to be there. And that was the only time that I could give to my academics because my cheer schedule was so crazy. Also find resources. There's so many tutors that are free at your colleges. There's so many people willing to help you. And I really took advantage of that. I was always in tutoring because it was just kind of like a designated time I could be at somewhere and be focusing. So that, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's all balance and just taking what classes that you enjoy and what's right for you. Speaking of balance,
0: I know um I did a little research on you. I know you were part of a sorority and then you were also part of Song Girls and Dance Team. Um, how did you maintain balance with all of these? Cause I think this is also, I mean, I was in a sorority as well. I was in DG at Chapman. And um, I know a lot of people struggle with knowing how and when to prioritize like a sorority event or a social, like any part of social life, along with maintaining good grades or even finding an internship, that kind of thing. And I feel like you kind of embody that, uh, to at least some extent where you, you did, you touched your toes in, in every piece and you still maintained really good results. How did you, and I know, again, you already speaking on balance, but how did you like actually maintain that without maybe feeling burnout?
1: Yeah. So I was actually just talking to my brother about this yesterday. So that's really funny. Um, I would say that a lot of younger people don't realize that you can't do everything Mm -hmm. You can dip your toes in a lot of things, but you can't do everything well. You need to pick some things and prioritize those. So for me, that was school, cheer and sleeping Mm -hmm. (laughs) and doing well, you know? So I think that I was able to do that because I was okay giving up other things. So for example, a lot of people, it's really important to them to be at every sorority event, to be really involved. I was involved. I met some of my best friends in my sorority, but I wasn't president. I wasn't on executive committee because I knew I couldn't give hundred percent to that. I was okay seeing my friends on Instagram or Snapchat, be other places, be in Texas for the weekend or be doing something fun or be at a day party when I was studying or I was cheering. And I was okay with that. And I think that college is all about kind of finding yourself and being confident with yourself. And people get caught up really easily and if you're confident with what you're doing i think that's the best way to dip your toes in everything because you can be okay missing things um so yeah but i still had a great experience i went to exchanges on thursdays i went and traveled i had a great time so it doesn't mean you can't do everything it's just being okay knowing you're not going to give 100 percent to everything
0: you also mentioned there a little bit about confidence I would kind of presume, and obviously you can maybe deny some of this, but I think you seem like a very confident person. And, you know, aside from just like success in academics, I think overall as a holistic young woman, um, I see like a lot of similarities and especially with building self-confidence. Do you have any advice for young women who, and I'm sure you saw this too, like at USC Mm -hmm. and just in college in general with people feeling down on themselves at certain points, Mm -hmm. comparison, all of that. How did you maintain kind of a sense of focus on your self and, you know, knowing that you wanted to prioritize studying and then, you know, cheer, things like that. And then I'm Mm -hmm. sure along that course too, you're building your self-confidence because you're so focused on your path. Um, But did you ever struggle with that? Or did you find um, a pivotal moment during college that you were like, oh, this was a time when I was really growing
1: internally and I was really building self-confidence? Absolutely. So my mom always jokes that I was always confident, but I feel as though so many of us struggle with the internal battle of we're actually not we just kind of put up the front. So I actually had a defining moment, it was my senior year fall semester I had just gone through a really bad breakup and I remember one of my best friends looked at me and she was like you have everything you could want you're smart. You have a career going for yourself. You are on cheer. I mean, what else do you want from yourself? And so go out and live your life, have fun, and just be confident in who you are. And I think that was my pivotal moment because I was like, oh my gosh, I have achieved my dreams. I'm here, I'm at USC. I need to be confident in myself and who I am and who I've developed into. And that was kind of my moment where I was like, I can do whatever I want as long as I put my mind to it and I'm confident in my abilities. And I think that's honestly when my life changed because before that, it was always like, what can I do to get to the next step? You know, to people, for people to like me more, for the next boy that I want to go out with to see me. And so much of my life was wasted doing that in my first three years of college. I mean, I had so much fun. I loved it. I have the best friends from that experience, but I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? Like I I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Who I am. Um, People like me for me. And I think that that's something that we forget as girls when we're young, that we all bring something special to the table and just to be confident in yourself, be kind, don't be arrogant and just always be true to you because someone's going to like you. People don't like fake people. So yeah, that that was my kind of defining moment. And I really preach that to young people. Don't be insecure. There's no reason to be.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you also mentioned that I guess part of that breakup experience was also that pivotal moment for you. Cause I had a very similar instance, my Mm -hmm. junior year of college where I had a breakup with a long-term boyfriend. And, um, it was just like, eye-opening because then you start to realize like Mm -hmm. yourself as an individual instead of like being a partner of this person Um yeah yeah but I feel like that's such a struggle for young girls too right I think like a lot of people see a breakup during that 20s period they're like oh my god my life is over what am I gonna do oh yeah like was there anything (laughs) that you would tell your younger self and maybe like a younger sister if you had one like you know what to think during that period of like, I'm in a breakup stage or like I feel alone Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm not wanted. I mean, aside from, of course, like trying to build self-confidence, what's like a piece of advice you would give right then and there? Oh my gosh, Uh, so much (laughs) advice.
1: Yeah. I would say to focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone is capable of achieving their dreams. I mean, I didn't think I'd be where I am today. But that was because I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I can do this. I have to focus on myself. I have to be willing to achieve those dreams and not be dependent on someone else for my validation. So I think looking at someone and just being like, you are enough. You can do whatever you put your mind to, but you need to focus on you. You know, put that shield up. Don't let the boy come into your life and take what's special to you. Like, so for me, I like to work out for an hour a day. That's like a non-negotiable or... I have to do well in school. So like having those boundaries to be able to be like, I can do me and I can also have you. But as of now, like in your 20s, after a bad breakup, focus on you because that's when your dreams come true and the boys come flying in. I swear. A
0: hundred percent. I could not agree more with that, with that statement right there with the whole, like when mm-hmm. you're focused on yourself and when you're just working on, like you're working out, you're working on your yeah. internal thoughts, you're reading certain books that really shift your mindset. Like you start mm-hmm. to attract the right energy for you. And I'm sure. You've oh been- <laughs> my gosh.
1: I'm so about energy. I like so believe too. In the, the manifestation. It has happened to me. I can tell you hundreds of stories about manifesting. I'm such a believer in that kind of stuff. So I completely agree with you. I think that's the best advice is just like leave the boys alone, focus on you and you're just going to thrive.
0: Well, speaking of relationship, because we're kind of on that topic, do you currently have a boyfriend and like, is that, is that something that you have to kind of like battle with through like law school and just kind of like still
1: maintaining focus for yourself? Yes, I do have a boyfriend who I love so much. Um, He, he just came right in one day when I was focusing on myself and that was, yeah, uh, that was a really funny experience. Yes, he is just the most wonderful human. He the great thing, and I think a great nugget of advice for younger people is you need someone who's independent of you who has your own their own life, their own things going, but kind of wants to come together at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, so that's my boyfriend. he uh, he's an accountant for financial services and he's always working, but he's so. Um, what's the right word he's so supportive of my endeavors where you know on Saturday mornings we get up we go get breakfast burritos and then we go study all day or he works so it's great because we kind of he he's supportive of my dreams and my goals and he's not intimidated by it Uh, and for a lot of boys I think it is intimidating when you know your girlfriend has big dreams and is very much like you know I'm doing this I'm doing that so yeah I He's wonderful. I cannot speak more highly of him. He's a great example for all boys out there.
0: Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the key there is that he's also independent and that you guys come together and you know, you guys can do your path together, but like you also have independent lives. And that's something like I always share um, a lot with my girlfriends, especially like I think we're a similar age. I just turned 24 last week, but um, and I graduated 2019 too. Oh, wait,
1: amazing. We're Aquarius. Are you an Aquarius? Actually,
0: I'm. I'm. I'm Pisces. I might oh. be like the end of Pisces. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I just turned twenty-four too. That's
0: why I had to ask. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. So it's it's interesting, cause I think. Um, and maybe it's because both of us have had similar experiences with relationships, and also being very driven and ambitious in our own careers and our own endeavors. But I've always looked at relationships, especially if you want to be serious with someone, and especially at this age, is to not focus on finding the partner or focus on being with them 24 seven. Like I always looked at it like almost in a sense where I think some people are like, Oh, I want to be single or I want to be in a relationship. Right. Like some yeah. people like want that single girl phase or some people are like, you know, I'm ready for a relationship. And I've always thought of it. Like I'm actually open for either. Like I'm single now, but I'm also not like, I'm not all, you know, I have to be single girl right now because I'm 24, yeah. but I'm also not like I need a relationship, but I'm kind of like, I'm on this journey. And if a guy aligns with me or whoever yeah. friends, right. They will like, Merge on the path, like as I'm going, and if mm-hmm. they end up not being fully aligned on the entire journey, they're gonna like swerve out. And you know, that's yep. part of life, right? Like, you kind of oh can't yes. just, like, connect yourself. So, I felt like your example right there was so, um, just like a perfect example because mm-hmm. I think more women need to hear that and need oh, to like yeah. start to put that through their head, like no, you don't really need to seek for a partner and no, you don't need to be together 24 seven. In fact, I kind of made a funny comment the other day to my friend who lives in New York. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause she's in a long distance relationship and she kind of hates it. But I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind it just because I do have a very busy life. Like I wouldn't be opposed to it. And she kind of made a comment. Oh, I don't think you're ready for a relationship then. And I was thinking, well, I think it just depends on where you're at in life, right? Like you're in school, yeah. hospital, so you're super busy and I'm sure you're, you sound like the type of person that would likely be able to handle a long distance relationship or something of that mm-hmm. nature, because it just requires this concept of like having your own life mm-hmm. and then coming together. So you're not together 24 seven, because that is not the actual standard of relationship or that you're ready to be in a relationship. Of course, that's the oh, long term yeah. goal. But I mean, that's, that doesn't mean it has to be like the initial goal, you know, right off mm-hmm. the bat.
1: So I feel like. Your example there was really good. <laughs> Thank you. No, I completely agree with that. I mean, th- how could you find yourself in your 20s if you're mm-hmm. depending on someone else for validation? Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not discounting relationships. I'm in a wonderful right. relationship, but right. I think it's so important to be able to separate the two mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, your 20s are about finding who you want to be, how you want to be known, what you want to do with your life and your 30s are kind of like the fruition of those efforts. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to be able to separate those two. And my friends and I actually always talk about Call Her Daddy, the podcast, mm-hmm. because a lot of the relationship advice we laugh at because simple things like just ignore him. And mm-hmm. it's so hard for girls to just think like that. And yeah. I'm so happy you're talking about this because I feel like so many girls need to hear that, but they just. Mm-hmm. They don't have someone to talk to about that, like an older mm-hmm. sister or someone that's just career advice or talking about people who are 24 who've you know been into relationships between 16 yeah. and whatever. So right. yeah, I completely agree with that. It's really important. And I feel like girls nowadays, we have these unrealistic standards. We had Alexis Ren and Jay Alvarez like <laughs> globe trotting. Like that's not real life. That's not a relationship. <laughs> not <real>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I completely agree. I'm really happy you're doing this.
0: Um, Okay, let's dive into your law school experience a little bit. It sounds like you alluded to it earlier, but you mentioned that you had kind of had a detour getting into Georgetown or heading to Georgetown. And I'm sure this will be really helpful for those who do want to, you know, maybe they're applying to law school, um, and maybe didn't initially get into their dream school. So I'm assuming was Georgetown law still your initial dream school, and you, you had to just made a detour because maybe you didn't get accepted the first time around?
1: Yeah, so my law school experience is actually pretty funny. So um, I wanted to go to USC Law more than anything. Uh, My boyfriend was in his master's program of accounting at that point. I'm a huge Trojan, big fan, generally, and I got waitlisted. And to me, I was that was like devastation. I was just like, how did this happen to me? I've done everything right. But looking back, it's so funny because one, it was supposed to happen that way two i feel like we when you work hard and you are a good person you feel entitled to certain things but at the end of the day there's always someone with a better lsat score than you there's always someone with a better gpa than you or a more compelling story so i'm actually that it happened to me or i'm happy that it happened to me because it kind of knocked me back to say you know there's thousands of other people in this world that deserve that spot as well so I basically, UCI was my other option, and I was so happy to go there because I actually got to move home. I'm from Orange County, and I cannot stress enough, if you have the ability to live at home and go to law school, do it. Because I mean, my mom would grab me coffee in the morning and just having that support system was so incredible. So I went to UCI for a year. Um, I always kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to transfer. Um, I thought it was going to be USC because I wanted to get back to LA and that just made sense and I didn't, I knew a little bit about the transfer um, program, but I thought you had to have like a 4.0 and above crazy grades, which I had a great GPA and near that, but I didn't realize that my options were gonna be so limitless once you do kind of make the decision to transfer. So my first semester, and we can dive into law school and study tips and whatnot, but uh, my first semester, I just hunkered down. I mean, my friends will tell you they did not see me. I went to homecoming football game, I think, but I spent my weekend studying and just made it my goal. I actually, speaking of manifesting, I taped my Georgetown acceptance letter from undergrad on my desk because I was like, I'm going to manifest this to transfer just because it was such a good omen. Um, And then second semester rolled around, coronavirus rolled around, which was scary. But I was like, I'm going to transfer. So when I got my GPA back, I was like, oh, let me look at these things called 509 reports. And basically, they show the GPAs of people who transfer into the schools you want to be at. So I looked at Georgetown's and I said, oh, my gosh, I'm totally within the GPA. I should, tr- I should apply here. And Georgetown was always, I mean, everyone wants to go to Georgetown Law. I get hundreds I of I love LinkedIn. Georgetown. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. So yeah. it's so cool. Um, I get a lot of messages about people and I love helping them. So if anyone mm-hmm. wants to message me, please feel free. Um, and so Georgetown's just kind of everyone's favorite. That was the initial dream and just, I never thought I could do it. And then mm-hmm. I, uh, second semester rolled around, I finished, I did all my applications and I got a UCLA first. Okay. and I was like this is perfect I'm from LA you know this is a dream yeah. whatnot and then a few weeks later I'm at equinox I'm doing yoga <laughs> and I look at my phone and I see my notification that I got into Georgetown and I was like oh my gosh this is a <laughs> did you huge... scream in the yoga class <laughs> I literally was just I just kind of dropped into child's pose <laughs> I was like I need a second <laughs> I would too and be like, oh my God, that's I, crazy. Yeah, and it was just such a moment. I was, it was so weird too, because I'm not really an emotional person. I could not stop crying all day because I just <laughs> knew that my life was changing in that moment and that all my hard work paid off. I literally sat on the phone, I think for hours with my best friends being like, I can't believe I'm moving. <laughs> like, Aww. Just crazy stuff like that. So that's kind of how Georgetown happened and I could not be happier. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about, being at the right place and finding somewhere where you belong I did not belong at UCI I met some amazing people but it just wasn't for me so now being in a law school where I've met so many cool people virtually that I just love we get along with so yeah Mm -hmm. always find your home it's there somewhere
0: I agree with you. I actually went to UC Irvine for two years and I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Pennsylvania. That's why I have a lot of Mm -hmm. ties to like Georgetown and just like Mm -hmm. schools on the East Coast. And then um, when I moved out to OC, I loved it. But I agree with you. UCI was definitely not for me. So that's why I went and transferred to Chapman. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's a unique thought process in kind of realizing like you know, when you don't feel at home and you start to push yourself to like say, OK, what can I do to change my situation? Um, But now looking back to because I guess this is technically pretty much almost two, close to two years. Right. Since mm-hmm. you initially got your. So, I mean, like I'm assuming like spring. Like when do you yeah. usually get your law school applic- um, acceptances? So like yep. 2019 was two years ago. So like you're getting your initial law school, um, acceptances around like spring 2019 or is it later?
1: Yeah. Uh, so basically this is another great tidbit for people applying to law school. I had no mm-hmm. idea. I was like, Oh, it'll be fine. I'm going in the USC, no problem. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you basically want to take the LSAT by June or July of the year you're going to start applying. So for me, that was 2018, yeah. Um. And then you want to apply as early as possible. So August yeah. through December, I was cheering and that was not possible. So I applied to most of my other schools besides USC. I think I applied in November um, at the end of December. And I think I heard back between like February to March-ish.
0: Yeah. So okay. yeah, that was
1: about two years.
0: Okay. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. So two years ago, and I guess now looking back, you realize like you're at Georgetown, you're not at USC law, which was where you really wanted to go. Um, but in hindsight now, like, what would you tell, tell yourself Like, if you could speak to yourself then? I mean, how do you feel now being at Georgetown and realizing the path that you initially really, really wanted, you're not on that path, but mm-hmm. are you happier on the current one?
1: Yeah. Two things. First, you have to trust the plan. This yeah. is then I'm such a control freak. I've planned out mm-hmm. my whole life. And right, I feel like we're so similar in that way. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, you just have to let go, mm-hmm. let go and let God as people say, because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in just fate, things happen for a reason. And once you just are a good person, and you try your hardest every single day, things will work out for you. You have to let mm-hmm. go. Um, so that it would be my biggest advice to myself is that no matter how hard you try, there's a bigger plan for you. And Mm -hmm. if it's really hard at that moment, it's a learning lesson. And in the future, it's going to pay off tenfold somehow. Yeah. Um, and that was, I remember my boyfriend kept telling me, you know, it's in the cards, it's in the plan, let it go. And I'd be like, why do you keep saying that? Stop. (laughs) (laughs) And so now we laugh because here I am, um, Yeah. I'm so much happier here because I'm someone who constantly challenges myself and expects Mm -hmm. a lot out of myself. So the other advice I would give is just keep pushing. Your dreams can be your reality. It just depends on how good of a person you are and how much effort you put in every day and your attitude. Mm -hmm. And that's all you can control in this life. And if you focus on those three things, then I promise things will pan out.
0: Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I wanted to dive into your experience at the L.A. District Attorney's Office. You mentioned Mm -hmm. it was a there was a pretty pivotal moment there when um, remind me again, what division were you working in? Sex Sex crimes. Sex crimes. Right. Can you share a little bit, like what were the insights you gained from that? Like, you know, even shadowing the people that you, you know, worked with there or worked for there. um, What was the lifestyle like? What did, what was appealing to you about it? What did you learn from, you know, seeing like, oh my gosh, this is the behind the scenes, like real life work Mm of, you know, working the district attorney's office.
1: Yeah. So I had a wonderful boss where she kind of let us go to big cases coming up, work on substantive real things that would show Mm -hmm. us kind of insight into what our jobs would be in the future if we wanted to be a DA. I loved the fast paced nature. I'm not someone who can just sit behind a desk. I definitely Mm -hmm. wanna be a trial attorney in the future. Mm -hmm. So it was so awesome because people would just be running to court, running back, making things happen. I mean, it was just so cool to be able to see women, especially because we worked with a lot of women victims, obviously. just to be able to have that, that justice served to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I worked at, I know there's a lot of um, discussion over the criminal law system and the reform of it. And I was lucky enough to work at an office that really championed um, doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. the cases they took were wonderful. And they, I mean, not wonderful, but they really wanted to see the right thing being done. So that was mm-hmm. kind of, the impetus for me to go to law school because i just loved the fact that i was doing impactful work that was helping people that was legitimate and i just i felt like i was doing something for the world and that mattered mm-hmm. to me like having a bigger impact than just i don't know doing something small and not as impactful to people
0: what year were you interning at that office? Like, was this um, at a point where you were kind of deciding if you wanted to pursue this path or was this, or were you already at a point where you're like, okay, I know I want to go to law school. I think this is really the career path for me.
1: I had already taken the LSAT at that point. So I knew I wanted to go to law school from day one, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do specifically. And that actually changed. I totally thought I wanted to go into criminal law and that definitely did not happen. Um, I'm now working, I'm going to work for a big firm this summer. So yeah, I think that that, I always knew I wanted to go to law school. I started studying for the LSAT early, but uh, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the real moment. I was like, wow, I can actually be in three years doing something that is helpful to the world and like helpful Mm -hmm. to people, um, rather than just, I know, graduating and kind of working a very corporate job. A lot of people
0: have the notion of lawyers working like 80, 90, 100 hours a week. Did that ever scare you? Or what, what's your thought process with that? Is that something you're kind of willing to trade like time for, you know, like I guess time for money or rather just like practically your entire life towards this career?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm someone who I'm really passionate about law. I think that it's really important that if you want to take on the challenge of law school, you have to like it. So for me, that's not as daunting because at the end of the day, I want to work. I'm really excited about my career and the things I can work on. I'm someone who, when I'm working on something, I'm like, this is so interesting. This is exciting. How can I help? What can I add to this? So it doesn't really scare me in that sense because it's something that I genuinely love. I mean, when I'm in it, I'm probably going to be stressed and uh, sad like most people. So I don't want to discount others' feelings and how... um, challenging it is. I just think that it's important, kind of your mindset to just be like, if this is what you really love, then it should be enjoyable to you.
0: Okay. So I have a few questions submitted by the audience that they wanted to know more from you. So the first one is, how did you prepare the week leading up to the LSAT? This person asking is currently preparing for the April
1: exam. So for me, I had to warm up for the LSAT. I was not a great LSAT taker in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. so I did okay. I mean, it was, for me, it wasn't a priority at that point because I was in college and I was cheering. And it was my senior year, but mm-hmm. besides the point, um, I always had to do warm up sections. So every morning I would just do, um, logical reasoning because mm-hmm. I was really bad at that section. So yeah. I would just constantly hammer that for the week before. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of my trick Honestly, the LSAT's so learnable. So in yeah. general, just if you don't do well the first time, keep training until you can do it well because you don't the transfer process is way harder than the LSAT process.
0: Interesting. Based on your experience, would you say the application process, um, you think they weigh more on your GPA, your, you know, like anything like outside of your LSAT or how do you feel like they actually weigh it based on, I guess, cause you applied, mm-hmm. you know, in two different rounds, like one initially, and then the first when you were transferred, the second one when you were transferring.
1: Mm-hmm. So I could talk a lot about admissions. It's a, it's a kind <laughs> of like a, um, uh, I don't want to say a hobby, but an interest of mine. So, I would say your LSAT's everything. I mean, I'm not an admissions mm-hmm. counselor. This is just my point of view because I had a three, seven, five from Marshall. Yeah. And that's a really rigorous program. Yeah, so I yeah. think that it's all, yes, it is about your GPA, but your GPA in my opinion really factors in when you have like above a 3.8, mm-hmm. um, And that's why it's really important. If you want to go to law school, I hate saying this, but choose a major where you're not going to have a crazy curve like I did. It was really challenging. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would say your LSAT, honestly, is everything. I have a lot of friends applying this cycle, and this cycle is really interesting because it's the most competitive one ever. People are getting... Yeah, there was a statistic. I want to say the scores between 170 and 175, or it was 175 to 180, I don't know, jumped by like 125%. Holy shit. (laughs) Because Yeah, I know, because people are taking the test at home, so it's a lot less of a crazy environment. It's only three sections. So this round, I don't even know what's going to happen to... The averages and it's just a scary time. (laughs) Oh, interesting! Mm -hmm. Wow,
0: that's that's crazy. Do you have any recommendations on specific uh, book LSAT prep books or any you know materials that you use that really really helped you for the exam?
1: I had a tutor and I also had a class that I went to. I honestly, I think it depends on the person. I'm someone who has to be forced to sit in a room in front of a teacher just because I'm kind of ADD and I have a lot going on all the time. So I would recommend if you're like me, take a class, have a set time every week to go do it. Um, Honestly, I don't think individual tutoring is the greatest thing to me. It didn't really make a huge difference. Um, I would, I have heard that PowerScore is good. Um, I didn't use any of the books but I had Testmasters as my class and I really liked it. I heard Blueprint's good too it's honestly take a class maybe and then just go study by yourself. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a waste. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. Second question. How time demanding is law school? Can you elaborate on the reality of it, how you manage stress, your time, and real expectations for those who are curious about law school? I think this is like the ultimate question everyone wants to know. It's like, Is it like, I don't know, I feel like I watch suits and law and order and all and legally and all these things, everyone's like, I mean, for me, I'm like, how demanding is it? Because that was part of what kind of tipped me off about whether law school would be for me was just like, you know, I. I very much think and process information like a lawyer. Um, and I actually like loved the logic games in the LSAT exam. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> <exam>. <laughs> like to me, that was just like so fun for some reason, but I also could not fathom just like, I, I just was a creative person, but was also very entrepreneurial. And then also mm-hmm. very, like I could totally be a lawyer in another life. So, but ultimately I decided otherwise, but I'm curious what, like how time demanding is law school, especially Georgetown. Okay. Cause that was where I initially <laughs> wanted to go.
1: Yeah. so. This is maybe a hot take. This is just my point of view because mm-hmm. I'm someone who I'm like, you face the challenge in front of you, you face it head on, you're gonna be fine. So I think that there's so much hype around law school that's so unnecessary. So okay. I, I'm not saying it's not time demanding. Let me tell you, I, I'm gonna go through my schedule, but yeah. I think that people freak themselves out and mm-hmm. they think mm-hmm. that it's like so much more than it is. It's about working harder rather than smarter yeah. too you know, read every individual word 50 times to understand it. There's so many resources out there. There's a thing called Quimby, which everyone uses. It's just case briefs that you can use and read to kind of understand the material more. Mm. Um, And I think I was someone I did well because I was really attuned to how to take tests from the beginning Mm. Um, and just kind of working smarter or working smarter rather than harder all the time and not getting bogged down by the details. So with that said, I will kind of go through my 1L experience. I basically made myself read two days ahead of the to- ahead of my class time every day. Yeah. So then I would kind of have a cushion in-, in case anything went wrong or anything went astray. So for example, on a Sunday, I would read all of Tuesday's materials um, and then so forth. I think that the typical, I mean, if I'm remembering right, you have class most of the day, right? Uh-huh. So That takes up most of your time and your brain power. In between classes, I would be studying. I would just be reviewing for the next class to make sure that I got that cold call right, um, just to make sure that I really knew what was going on. So Mm -hmm. if five days a week, if I was in class, I would probably spend like eight to 10 hours studying in class. I kind of always broke it up by working out. So I'd Mm -hmm. have 8 a.m. class. I'd go to about like two or three. I'd go take a break, eat, work out. And then I'd go back to like six to 10 studying. And mm. I just kind of split everything up to make it more manageable. And I just held myself to really strict, like I would time block. So mm. I'd have 20 minute, like these little cubes that you just say, okay, yeah. 20 minutes, let's read. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is eight to 10 hours a day. It's, it's, it's tough, but it's just about how you do it. And if you just keep yourself rolling and you're really good at time management, you say, okay, this weekend, this is what I want to accomplish. Then it's a little more manageable. UCI was a very challenging school, but I think we had really sweet professors. So mm-hmm. they were never too crazy when it came to like cold calling or assigning 300 pages of reading. Mm-hmm. So in Georgetown, I had a really funny situation. Everyone tells you, okay, there's doctrinal classes and then there's seminar classes. So doctrinal classes are like property, civil procedure, all the good ones that you hear about, criminal law. And yeah. that's what you take all of one out. So that's why okay. it's so challenging. And then seminars are usually like classes with papers and it's like, I'm in higher education and the law right now. So it's more about policy. Uh-huh. It's just a tad easier and there's an easier grading curve for those, at least at Georgetown. So my second semester of 2L, I was like, I did find 1L. I'm going to take three doctrinal classes and a whole three unit writing seminar, oh. which is basically a replication of 1L. That was the worst mistake of my life. I did fine, thank God. But- it was so, I was so burnt out, so burnt out. So you have to really be careful and kind of balance what you have going on. And this semester Mm -hmm. I took an internship, a writing class, um, a negotiation seminar and my property class. So I have a really lighter load. It's still a lot, but it's just kind of like balancing it and being careful. I mean, I'm kind of crazy where I work East coast hours and like make myself do that. So, um, sometimes I have to get up at five, sometimes I have to get up at 430, but it's just kind of what you make of it. And if just making a schedule for yourself every day and just holding yourself accountable to that, otherwise, I don't think it's that bad.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you get a chance to go out on the weekends or like, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. are you able to, um, ever like do light weekend trips or is it like actually
1: more limited? Like they say, so, I mean, I really only hang out with my boyfriend. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, That's just because I'm kind of a homebody and I really value my sleep and yeah. just working out and eating well. So for me, I don't want to go out as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a year ago. That was a different story pre pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah. but I would, I think my one L is a great example. So I would make time for things that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, homecoming football games or USC football games I would go to all the time it was kind of like okay if the game's at 4 p.m I'd go to my boyfriend's on like Friday or Saturday and I would study from 10 a.m to 3 Mm p.m and make sure I got something done and then I would go to the game for a few hours and come home and study or if that was it for the night so you can definitely do it it's just about planning and if I went out on a Mm -hmm. Saturday then I couldn't go out on a Friday things like that yeah I mean there's sacrifices for sure but i think it's personally worth it and i'm not someone who is very into like going out all the time i guess it's just Mm -hmm. not a priority for me um but yeah you can totally do it i'm trying to think i don't think i went on any trips but i definitely went out with my friends i saw my friends um you just have to make time as long as you're ahead of it and knowing that you're going to um have to move things around i will say it's really important to take breaks because you can't be working all the time. I have a really bad habit of, I have to feel productive all the time. If I'm not studying, Mm -hmm. I have to be working out. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing that, then I should be sleeping. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. like, you have to learn to just, it's okay to relax. You need to rest your mind. You should drop the books at 10 PM and just go to bed.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I guess this one, this question it might be catered towards undergrad, but mm-hmm. how to prepare for standardized tests while balancing midterms and projects for classes. So I guess, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in essence, maybe I'm assuming you might have been preparing for the LSAT yeah, during like junior mm-hmm. year. And I mean, obviously the years leading up to it, but, um, yeah, any, any tips on that?
1: Yeah. So I'm, like I said, I'm kind of crazy where I'm someone who I thrive one under pressure and a lot of tasks and like, um scheduling. So I do better when I have a hundred things going on rather than zero things. I'm just a lot more productive. So when I took the LSAT, I was just beginning to serve as the captain of a mature team, which was a whole experience and trying to learn how to lead people when you're just 20 yourself and you're just, it's, it's a really tough process, but I did that. I was in 20 units and I did the LSAT, which sounds a little crazy, But um, it worked out. I got a 4.0 that semester and I did fine on the LSAT. So I think that just really giving yourself a schedule, being like, okay, at 9 a.m. I'm going to work out or do whatever feels good for you, go on a walk. At 10 a.m. I'm going to do this for the LSAT. At 11 a.m. I'm going to do this. And I think that when you're doing, when you have so much to do, you really need to be intentional in the way you go about things. So in that hour, only focus on that. Don't think about the hundreds of other things you have going on. So it's just really about time blocking, being accountable to that time blocking, and then also being intentional in trying to focus on that thing at a time and check it off the list.
0: Do you ever put your phone on do not disturb mode or anything like that? So you, you refrain from checking your phone or refrain from like checking your friend's messages or like things like that.
1: I'm so bad about that because I'm (laughs) someone who I love helping people and I love being there for people. So I'm really bad about that. I mean, I will respond to your text immediately mm-hmm. if I want to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go after your email. So yeah, I do do it um, sometimes when I'm under high pressure. Like I mm-hmm. said, I work best under pressure. So yeah, I do it do it sometimes, but most of the time I don't. And 99% of the time I'm like responding to the text immediately just because that's kind of the person I am. I'd rather get it done.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And this is the last question from the audience. Um, They said it's a little bit interesting, but I think they're alluding to maybe a negative connotation about lawyers, but they asked, how does it feel to judge people's choices? And so I kind of put notes here, perhaps elaborate on the negative connotations about lawyers and, you know, maybe dive into maybe your personal goals as an attorney, because I think um, that seems to be maybe like, again, like this perception that lawyers are maybe not the greatest people. Or again, it's, it really depends on which area they're they're in as well. And I think not everyday people might not really be aware of the different sectors um, in law. So maybe you can dive into um, what you know of that negative connotation and maybe give light into yeah. what it is, uh, a positive light into being a lawyer.
1: Yeah, of or course. Becoming th- a lawyer. No, totally. So I think that in light of our world, there's so much reform and change that has to be done. So I think it's easy um, for people to see and say, I can't believe this is happening every day because you see the injustices that our criminal system has. And working for the DA's office too, I didn't realize, because I had loved my time there, how negative some of experience people can have with DA's as well as public defenders. So I think that the best mm-hmm. thing to do is know that there's a reason people chose their career path. So one of my really good friends from law school is going to become a public defender and he's the most wonderful human ever. And he wants to do it because he genuinely wants to help people. And for me, that's the same thing if someone wanted to become a DA or if I wanted to go and be a prosecutor at some mm-hmm. point in the future, it's about, okay, helping people. So you have to think about the intention behind why someone's doing that. And it's mm-hmm. not always, um, something bad at the end of the day. So people have reasons for why they want to go into things. Some people want to be DAs because of their own personal traumatic experience. Some people want to be public defenders because of that. And I think that that's a really great lesson for everyone to learn. It took me a while to learn this, is that you 99.9% of the time people do not have bad intentions. And you just have to think about like what someone's going through and why they chose that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I don't, I think that what lawyers do is they advocate for people. So mm-hmm. it may not align with what people want, but at the end of the day, they're advocating for something, which I think is really important to people because I think everyone should have a voice. Mm-hmm.
0: That's an interesting perspective, too, that you're framing it. And, and actually, it's funny because I speak about this a lot, um, especially mm-hmm. with the uh, political climate, more so last year where everyone mm-hmm. was saying, oh, I can't believe this person's this and I can't believe that person's mm-hmm. saying this. And I brought up a point and maybe you agree with it. Um, but I kind of just think in, in essence, similar to how you're describing lawyers in different uh, specific positions. But I I really do believe that and maybe this is just like the good heart in me, but I mm-hmm. think um, regardless of what side your own or or a political view you have. I think each person at the end of the day really does ultimately um want to like be the best for mm-hmm. you know whoever they're you know for the country, right? If they're the oh, president, yeah. vice president, um, or just each individual. I think each of us actually ultimately want to help everyone be happy um Mm -hmm. successful, relatively successful and you know, financially free, whatever that may be. And I just think each person has a different approach to it. And that's why there's so many disagreements. So it's you're disagreeing on the approach, not necessarily (laughs) the end goal. And I think so I think it's it'd be interesting if more people could start to reframe that and and consider that each person is actually ultimately chasing the same goal as the person next to them, but they're in different positions and they're approaching it very differently.
1: I completely (laughs) agree with what you're saying. I think that It took me a while on my journey to self-confidence and finding out who I am to realize the importance of just being kind to people. Kindness Mm -hmm. is so underrated and it's sad. It's just like, it's, it devastates me how not kind people are and not positive people are. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of comes with it because people are forgetting that we're all humans and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. have you really ever met someone who's that evil or has bad intentions? No,
0: yeah. everyone has yeah.
1: great intentions. And I think that And the political climate we're in, we have to start meeting in the middle. I, I tell yeah. my friends this all the time because I try to stay very apolitical just because mm-hmm. of my job, but also I, I like to listen. I like to hear, I like to listen, I like to form my own opinions and I love to read. So for me, I'm still forming my opinion. And I think that that's important for everyone to realize too, is that you don't know what you don't know. And we just need to come together and talk respectfully, like just be kind Mm -hmm. to each other approach things in a matter where you're willing to listen to someone say, you know, I may not agree with that, but here's this reason why. And just be kind. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really understand why, but I'm actually really happy people are participating in politics. Uh, mm-hmm. Politics has been something that I really have loved to follow generally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool to see young people engaging in it. And I mm-hmm. really hope that in the future, we can at least engage in it in more of a kind ma- manner generally. Right. 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 And it's funny, too,
0: how you you mentioned how it's like agreeing and then to disagree almost yeah. and being able to present this other side. I actually um, one time was telling my friend, like, you know, I, I I don't know if you were on debate team or ever. I mean, I mean, in law school, it's it's very similar where what you guys have to do. But in essence, I was telling my friend, you know, it'd be really awesome if people learned a little bit of how to debate and being mm-hmm. on debate team, because I, especially <laughs> yeah. in regards to politics, because, you know, in debate especially, you have to know how to argue for the other side. And um, I think that's a very unique perspective on learning Mm -hmm. how to understand the opposing side, whether you actually believe in that or not. Mm -hmm. In debate, like you have to be able to be ready to, um, you know, speak on each side. So you you had to Mm -hmm. like study the case very thoroughly to be able to argue for either side. And I think that's um, a level of competence that you know more of our generation, especially those on social media running around. I think it'd be amazing, you know, for that generation. And again, I think both Mm of us um, with our passion in helping younger women can yeah. really
1: you know bring that conversation more to the table absolutely I think I'm just someone who at the end of the day I'm just a huge nerd and mm-hmm. there's so much information out there and there's so much to learn that that's personally why I haven't I'm just stay more in the middle listening like mm-hmm. I don't even want to say I'm in the middle I'm just someone who wants to listen generally yep. and hear yeah, about likewise. different things yeah, and I think that that is, I always talk to my family about this because I am interested in education policy. We need mm-hmm. people to learn and to understand each side without attacking people's character because at the end of the day, really good negotiators, really good debaters, really good politicians generally, they don't attack character, they attack arguments. And I think that's what mm-hmm. law school teaches you. Um, <laughs> and Something that really took me a long time to figure out is in arguments, most people attack character and not the logic. So yeah. I think that, yeah, inspiring young women to learn and be like, okay, well, here's this fact, but here's this counterfact and mm-hmm. there's the next one. And why, where do I fit? Where does fit? What do I feel as though? And, um, and kind of take everything out of the equation and just understand both sides and be like, okay, this is the one I agree with because this.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Two final questions. Uh, mm-hmm. first one kind of like on your personal side, but do you have any kind of morning routine or daily habits, ritual that you do? Um, I know you have a very busy schedule and perhaps I, I remember when I was in college too, especially like that, I kind of was just like always go, go, go. So I never really had necessarily a specific habit, but I think mm-hmm. once I started approaching young adult life, having my career and whatnot and, you know, living on my own and stuff, I started to develop certain um, habits, but curious mm-hmm. if you have any that you'd
1: recommend or you currently do for yourself. I'm so bad at habits. That's a huge <laughs> problem of mine. Um, so I'm someone who just needs sleep first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, I dealt with chronic illness my whole life and I actually didn't get it under control until I started sleeping regularly. So I would say that's kind of my morning routine is sleep as much mm-hmm. as I can. Um, I'm someone who likes to, when I look good, I feel good. I like to get up, I like to shower, I like to do my makeup. Um, mm-hmm. just, I like makeup, I find it fun. So yeah. I would say that- <laughs> um, I am a big coffee person. It just kind of like, I like things that are positive in the morning and I love waking Mm -hmm. up and getting my coffee, being like, oh, this is so exciting. Like I get to have my coffee this morning. So that, um, I would say that's my biggest thing. I'm someone who kind of likes to get up and just get to work. I don't like to really Mm -hmm. lounge around. Uh, Sometimes I get obviously bogged down by my phone. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, (laughs) yeah, I'm usually sleeping to the last minute and then I wake Uh up, I get dressed as quick as possible and then just go to work. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, and last question, something I ask everyone on this show, but mm-hmm. you've been an extremely accomplished young woman from your upbringing to your time at USC, and then now mm-hmm. attending your dream school at Georgetown Law. But out of all of that, looking back and just kind of looking at where you're at right now, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, there's so much that fulfills me um, around me, I would, okay, I'm going to try to answer this as best as I can. One, I would say my family does just Mm -hmm. because we're all highly successful people who really want the best for each other. So I think that just being able to go every day and be like, this is what I accomplished and getting that support back really fulfills Mm me. Um, just as a first generation college student seeing like how proud I make my parents and all my siblings make my parents that fulfills Mm -hmm. me. And then second, I'm working on this because I feel as though, um, It's we put so much emphasis on our accomplishments, but I do think Mm -hmm. my accomplishments do fulfill me a lot because it just shows me my resilience Mm -hmm. and just that I can achieve my dreams and I can do whatever I set my mind to. And I think that's important for young people to realize is that it's really fulfilling to reach those goals that you never thought you could attain. So Mm -hmm. just, um, I guess my accomplishments in my life thus far make me proud, but I also am trying to work on not putting so much emphasis on just what you accomplish rather than who you are as a person
0: right. right and i think i'll touch on your accomplishments too i think some people like i used to be like that and i kind of shifted into kind of like focusing on more meaningful relationships and such mm-hmm. but i think also something about the fulfillment of accomplishments too is that mm-hmm. you're i feel like the way you frame it is more about your internal growth and yeah and seeing the your ability to grow as a person on each step on each mm-hmm. accomplishment because it you know signals like hey I'm able to do this because mm-hmm. I believe in myself or I've, I've shifted my mindset or I've manifested it. And so I feel like the way you're framing it and if other people are kind of like type A and, and love to mm-hmm. have like goals and accomplishments and tasks like check off, I think it's looking at how it impacts you internally and how you grow. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like you really touch on that.
1: Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, if you can get those accomplishments by being a good person, you will always feel better about that. And I feel as though, because I've been really trying to focus on just being kind and positive all the time, that it just makes those so much sweeter. And it also makes it easier for you to give back to people, which I Mm -hmm. love. I mean, I love being able to be on this podcast and talk about how I can help others. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I think that that's so important generally to be self-reflective. I see so many young people not growing and listening to the problems that they've had in their lives. And it's kind of mm-hmm. sad because you should be able to be accountable and say, you know, this is what I did wrong. And I can do that. I can say, you know, this is what I did wrong in a relationship. This is what I did wrong in high school or mm-hmm. whatnot. And be able to say, okay, how can I be a better person the next day? Because that just makes your life so much sweeter when you can self-reflect and be proud of who you are becoming every day.
0: One last thing. So I feel like you might have a good um, you know, insight on this. Do you have a quote or kind of just mentality you live by by any chance that yeah. I just feel like you have a really good mindset so I had just had to ask.
1: Oh yeah, you can totally. Uh my number one <laughs> quote if I could tap to it everywhere on my forehead is work hard and be kind. <laughs>
0: oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's just
1: so important. I just think that kindness is so underrated and I just want to emphasize that that I used to be so aggressive and so intense all the time and it's just so much better to be a nice human because you just feel so much better and it just be nice every single day and work, try your hardest every day. And that is enough.
0: Wow. I love that. I definitely will quote that in like your show notes as well. Cause I feel like that's such a, like a bold statement, but Mm -hmm. for those who want to reach out to you and maybe get like mentorship from you or just like, you know, get any help from you, where can they find you either on social or email or LinkedIn, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. So you can email me at Sophia rebel at gmail.com. You feel free to put it in the show notes. You can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. I go by Sophie rebel on LinkedIn. Um, I'm trying to actually, because in college and in from the dance world, I'm trying to completely close my social media just because I feel like it's time for me to grow out of, you know, social. Yeah. So I would say, don't, uh-huh. um, don't reach out on Instagram. It's easier to get, <laughs> uh, um, to get, um, a hold of me via those platforms.
0: Okay, cool. Sounds good. I'll make sure I link all that in the show notes so they can find you and reach out if they would like to. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I had so much fun. And that was today's episode with Sophie Rebell, current second year law student at Georgetown. You guys, this conversation was so fun to me and I had so much fun connecting with Sophie and I think she really would be a great mentor for many of you guys who listen to the show. So if you want some insights or tips on just, you know, how to go about your academics in college and, you know, if you're stuck on anything within college or maybe especially if you are interested in pursuing law, school and you're in undergrad right now and you want to take the early steps to put yourself in a good position I would highly recommend to reach out to her so I will include her email and just her contact information um, in the show notes as well before you guys head out though as always please be sure to rate and review the podcast on apple Podcasts. it always means so much to me to see your kind words whether you guys are dming me or leaving a review it takes 30 seconds so thank you as always and I will chat with you all next time